Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm actually recording this episode in my car because I had a little bit of a problem yesterday with my equipment. For three years, I have been recording cool things entrepreneurs do in a converted bedroom in my house. My daughter went away to college and her bedroom became the podcast studio. And yesterday, I fried the equipment and I had to go buy a new mixer board. I'm still not sure that I've solved the problem, but I missed the deadline for getting today's show done. And so after going for a three-mile run, I am on my way to the uh, Austin chapter of the National Speakers Association for our monthly luncheon, and I realized I had to get this done, so I decided I would pull over. It's about 100 degrees, so I have to let the air conditioner run while I record this. All stuff that you probably don't care to know, but I like to share kind of what's going on. I really appreciate that you are a listener of this show. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I believe it's episode 278. If you're a longtime listener, you know the format. Most of the time, I interview entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, uh, and people with just an entrepreneurial spirit who are doing really cool things in their career with the intent of being to inspire the audience to go out and do what they want to do. All of us have dreams inside of us, but I don't think everybody is actually living those dreams, especially when it comes to their career. I talk to people all the time and I ask them, do you love your job? And some people pipe right up and go, yes, I do. But most people just kind of look at me and go, oh, it's great. I've built a really good career. I, I love doing what I do. There's just not that fire, not that passion. And I know a lot of people Listen to podcasts like mine because they're looking, they're seeking. I, I always thought for years that I was, I called myself a seeker. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but I was looking for something where I could get up every day and say, wow, this is really, really cool. And for the last eight and a half years, I have had the pleasure of working as a professional speaker and a professional master of ceremonies. I do some facilitation and some coaching, and I'll tell you what. I really like what I do. I am so excited about the job that I've created. One of my daughter's friends met me last year. She's a college student, and uh, one of her friends was here in Austin doing an internship last summer, and we had taken her and a couple of friends out to dinner, and afterwards, he told her daughter, uh, told my daughter that I had the most interesting job of anybody he'd ever met because I was the only person he knew who had invented their own career, that so many people go to law school and they're a lawyer, they study accountant and they're an accountant, but that I had just sort of created this career around my own sort of experiences and my skills and what I like to do. And I've thought about that so many times in the last year. And he's right. I did. I, one of my fraternity brothers from college was in an audience where I spoke and I didn't know he was going to be there. He didn't know that I was going to be the keynote speaker and they introduced the speaker and he thought to himself, huh, I went to college with a guy named Tom Singer and he looks up and it's me entering the stage and he was a little bit surprised and and he had heard maybe that I was a professional speaker, but he started texting a lot of our fraternity brothers going, you're not going to believe this. And so a lot of texts went back and forth during my speech. Some of my friends asking, is he any good? And this friend who was in the audience showed me the texts later and it said uh, that he said, yeah, but he took being social chairman and rush chairman of the beta house. 
and turned it into a career because my topic was all about how do you connect better? How do you get more out of being at the conference? How in a world where everybody is on their phones, how do we get back to talking to people? And that's things I used to do before we have parties at the fraternity house was I'd make sure that if we were hosting an event that people remembered that everybody there was the host. And a lot of the message that I had in my speech, he laughed and he said, this was stuff he was talking about in college. He, he took his, you know, his role in the fraternity and turned it into a job. And, and that just makes me laugh because that is sort of what I did. So I want everybody to have a job where they really feel they're using their innate talents, they're doing what they want to do, and they're creating something that's really customized to the way they want to live their lifestyle. You know, there's a lot of people who are chasing lifestyles without having really thought, is this the lifestyle that I want? I have created something that I really enjoy, and what I do isn't necessarily for you, but I definitely believe that through the people who I interview and through the solo shows that I do once in a while, like today, you're going to find something that makes you say, hey, if that person can do it, I can do it. Because trust me, I'm not anybody special. I don't have, you know, fancy degrees. I didn't go to a top college. I don't, I don't have a lot of the things that people think, well, if you're going to be a professional speaker, you need to have a New York Times bestseller or you need to be famous for something else. No, but I have a lot of energy for what I do. And that's going to lead me into today's topic. And today's topic might seem a, a little skewed solely to the meetings industry. However, I think there's something in this for everybody. And today I want to talk about why it is so important for meetings to have a professional master of ceremonies. Now, obviously, that's a little self-serving because a chunk of my work is I am a master of ceremonies. But I'm going to say it right up front. I am not the right host for every single event. Plus, many clients who really like me and have used me for several events can't use me year after year after year because I know it and they know it. It's not the Tom show. I had one client who used me two years in a row and the uh, board chairman for the association told me, I wanted to use you a third year, but you know, one of the things is, is that you're a big personality and you're not part of our industry. I can't let you be the superstar of the show every single time. And I fully understood that. And I got that. And I actually took it as a compliment that I did a great job, but they needed to go a different direction. However, one of the things that happens at association meetings and for companies who do, especially like customer conferences or sometimes all hands conferences for their employees, they have large conferences and they will spend a lot of money. If you know anything about the meetings industry, you know that food and beverage in a convention center or a hotel is way more expensive than if you go to the supermarket and gather up ingredients and cook it. It's not uncommon for a lunch to cost 40 to $60 per person. Now think about it. You go to a lot of these conferences, I'm sure as an entrepreneur or as somebody in the business world, you go to these events and, and what do you see? What do you find? You go eat lunch and you're like, ugh, just a rubber chicken lunch, or there's a sandwich with too much bread, ugh, or hotel pizza. And yet, they charge the meeting planner, they charge the hosting association, sometimes up to 40 plus dollars for that lunch, and dinners are even more crazy. And if they host the alcohol, get out of town, the bill's gonna go through the roof. Then you start looking at what those coffee breaks cost. You know, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars for each one of those canisters of coffee. It's really expensive to put on an event. Then you have to rent the facility itself. And oftentimes you have to do all of the uh, uh, staging that goes on. There's so many little pieces that just rise that price. And then the speakers at a lot of these events, especially when you get to the big events where you get into the celebrity or what I call pseudo celebrity speakers. 
the fee for that speaker to come and talk for an hour is often twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars. Now, that's a lot of money. I don't make that kind of money. I'm not a speaker who makes fifty thousand dollars for an hour. Barack Obama recently was paid three hundred thousand dollars to go speak in New York for a bank. Now, I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. That's just a big expense. That's a lot of money. And then these same associations, these same companies that are spending tens of thousands of dollars on having a speaker every day decide, well, we want to save some money, so we're not going to have a master of ceremonies. What we're going to do is we're going to get one of our board members or we're going to get uh, one of our employees or somebody else from our industry who has a big personality. We're going to get them to be the MC because it really doesn't matter. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you six reasons why events should hire a professional MC. And this might interpret to why in your industry people should hire a professional fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you provide. Because it's so important that we do things right and that we're not always cutting corners. So... I'm going to give you six reasons why an event should hire a professional MC. And the next time you attend an event, I want you to watch who the host is. Now, you may not like them. They may not be your cup of tea. But pay attention to the fact of are they professional? Are they adding to the event? Or are they a placeholder? Are they somebody who was just asked to go up and do the introductions and tell you when the bathrooms are and when to be back from break? Because I think when you hire a professional MC, it impacts every aspect of the conference. So here's my six tips. Number one, the master of ceremonies sets the tone for the whole event. Take a look at TV shows. Why do you think Ryan Seacrest created a whole career? What was it? American Idol. He was the master of ceremonies. He was the host. And every week it was him who came back. On America's Got Talent, it's Nick Cannon. The reason they have on these types of television shows a professional host is somebody has to run the show. They have to set the tone because things are going to happen. Things are going to be good. Things are going to be bad. Things are going to be weird. Somebody has to be able to pull it back and set the tone for the conference. They have to have energy. They have to have that that something that draws everybody in and gets everybody excited about what's coming next. Also, they sort of set the flow. So different times of the day, you're going to need different energy. You're going to need you're going to need a different style. And a professional MC knows how to read what's going on with the audience. Are they coming back from lunch? Do they need to be pepped up? Did something happen out in the outside world? that is worthy of needing to be told to this audience? Did something happen? Is there a natural disaster or worse, some sort of terrorism attack that needs to be addressed or not addressed? A professional MC knows how to make sure that everything flows right no matter what is going on. So that's the first reason. The second reason is, is that speakers, professional speakers and industry speakers and the president of the company or the head of the association have a big tendency to run long. Now, have you ever been at an event where at some point they say, oh, we were supposed to have a half hour networking and, and coffee break. However, we're running behind schedule, so everybody has five minutes to get to the breakouts. Are you excited when you don't get to go pee? Are you excited when you don't get to actually chat to that one person you needed to go and find? Are you excited when the bathroom lines are too long and now you're going to be late getting to the breakout? I've never known anybody who said, hooray, the general session ran long. But they run long all the time. 
And what happens is, is somebody who is not a professional MC doesn't know how to handle it. And handling it isn't just when that speaker runs long. It's what do you do in advance in the calls that are going in to prepare? How are you setting the tone with those speakers of what's going to happen? Because most of the conferences, especially big ones, have countdown clocks. Speakers know when they run long. I was the MC of an event about a year and a half ago, and one of the women who was a speaker, I talked to her about how she had a 20-minute time zone. They were doing a lot of speakers, and it was kind of like TED Talk after TED Talk after TED Talk. It was high-paced. It was fast. And I said to her, you have to stick to your 20 minutes. And she looked at me and laughed and goes, oh, I'm known in the business as always running long. I will easily go 15 minutes over, but audiences love it. Now, think about that. Do you really love it when your breaks are taken away? Do you really love it if you're the next speaker when somebody has cut in and you're backstage knowing that your time is being cut? No, nobody loves that. And I told her no. And I got the planner of the event involved that she had 20 minutes. And we discussed, how do you want me to handle it if you run long? And what we decided, which wasn't her choice, was that once she was more than a minute over, I would just sort of walk on stage. And so she was doing her speech and she got down to that 20 minutes and she wrapped it up as I came on stage. And as I got to the middle of the stage, she turns to the audience and goes, oh, I bet y'all would love to do, uh, I bet you all would love to do Q&A. Is that okay? And I looked at her and said, no. And later the audience laughed because they didn't think she was all that great. They didn't have any questions for her. People caught what was going on. They saw her without even knowing the backstory. They saw her being passive aggressive about wanting to run long. Audience members don't love it when speakers run long. Planners hate it even more because it messes up their whole schedule. And yet, if there's not someone who is the host of the show, who knows how to handle it, who's had these conversations in advance, the odds are you're going to run long. And somebody gets burned when a speaker runs long. The next speaker gets asked backstage, can you cut your time? I'll tell you what, there's so many times that I've been scheduled to have an hour speech and the planner whispers in my ear, can you cut it to 40 I want you to think about it. It's hard to give a speech. And it's hard when you have PowerPoint and things planned and interactive activities that go into it. It's hard to do it. It's so unfair to the speaker. Recently at the National Speakers Association, one of their sessions ran over 30 minutes long. The final speaker had been given a 35-minute slot. He wasn't even introduced until the time he was supposed to go on. Now, he did his speech in 35 minutes but they had to cut the break. But later, people were blaming the last speaker for the fact that they ran long. That particular speaker nailed his time. But the audience, who were all professional speakers, were like, well, he, ran, he clearly ran long and we didn't have breaks and we had to cut into everything else. No, the audience doesn't necessarily know what goes on and they don't know how much time each speaker necessarily has. So an MC does. That's why it's so important. The next one is, the MC can handle any issues that come up at the conference. I mentioned earlier that something might go on in the outside world that really should be addressed in a professional manner, and that's true. But also things might happen inside the conference that have to be handled. And sometimes you don't want one of your executives or your board member having to play bad cop if something is going on in the culture of the meeting. Now, this doesn't happen very often, but several years ago, I was the MC of an event and they had an app. And the app had a game and you got points for playing the game. And it was a, a conference of programmers. And one of the people woke up in the middle of the night or never went to bed and programmed an algorithm that was going to continuously ping this app 
when we all woke up in the morning, instead of somebody having four or 500 points, one person had something like 10,000 points. Now, they were giving away a huge prize, some sort of huge gaming computer that was worth over well over $1,000. And this person went out and gamed the system. And there was some concern. The board was like, well, we can't let him win. The prize is too expensive. He beat the system. And he sort of ruined the app because it was what you posted. He literally, every 30 seconds, it just posted 01, then 02, then 03. So the Twitter type format of the app was totally wiped out with his just numerical algorithm posting every time. But he got points for the fact that it posted all night long while everybody was sleeping. So I asked the board. They were all concerned. They wanted to say something. And I said, do you trust me? And I walked out on stage. And normally during the morning, I had the leaderboard. And I talked about who was winning on the app. And this time I said, we're not showing the leaderboard. I explained what happened because not everybody was playing the app. And I made a joke out of it. I talked about the fact that I come from a marketing background. And marketing people, they stay in the bar all night. They don't write algorithms. But you programmers, you guys, one of your people wrote this algorithm. And I made him sort of a local folk hero. It was funny. But I let it be known in a way that was totally agreed with by everybody that he was not going to win the prize and that we had removed him from the app. But people thought it was funny. The individual person was not offended or made to look like he had done something awful. And in a way, it made him a little bit of a folk hero amongst a couple people. And really, everybody won. Somebody from the committee said to me, have you ever had to deal with that before? Of course not. I'd never heard of such a thing. However, I am ready to handle whatever happens. Now, if that had gone south, if the audience had turned on me and decided I was the bad guy, it wasn't the actual committee or the association who had done it. It was me. I was the one who would have had to have fallen on the sword if they decided I was wrong. So you want a professional MC who's not part of your board, who's not part of your executive committee, because sometimes decisions have to be made that may not be pleasant. And if they turn on the MC, oh, well, that's what he gets paid for. So you want to remember that the MC is more than just somebody who's there to say, oh, the bathrooms are there. Come back from the break in 20 minutes. Now, another reason you want to hire a professional MC is many of them, not all, but many of them are also professional speakers who have their own content. If something happens, a speaker can't make it because they're ill or uh, their plane gets delayed because of weather, the master of ceremonies can do one of two things. They can either deliver a keynote speech because they're a professional speaker or they can put together a panel of experts from your association and moderate that panel. Now, there's a lot of discussion. We could do a whole other podcast about panels. There's a lot of people who say, oh, panels are horrible. I think panels are awesome if they're moderated properly. The problem with panels at conferences is they're not moderated. You just throw three or four experts up and let them talk with some wimpy little moderator who goes, uh, you know, Bobby, why don't you take this question? The moderator has to be involved. They have to make sure that the answers are clear and concise and that everybody's getting a time and they have to be able to keep it going. Most masters of ceremonies who you would hire could facilitate a panel on the fly if you needed to fill in if something has happened. I have been to many conferences as an attendee, as a speaker, and as a master of ceremonies where something has gone wrong. Somewhere a speaker hasn't been able to make it. And what happens is, is that that becomes something you have to be prepared for. You have to be prepared for what do we do in the case that a speaker can't be there. A professional MC should have something up their sleeve. And in the course of hiring them and prepping them for the conference, that's something that should be discussed. How are we as a team, because the master of ceremonies should be included as part of the committee 
team. They're not a hired gun. They're not like hiring some celebrity politician who's going to whiz in, give a speech, and be at the airport 20 minutes after saying thank you very much. The master of ceremonies is the host of your event, which means they should be tied in early in the planning, and they should be on site in all of the meetings that go on, and they should be willing to hang out in the bar at night because that's where your attendees are. They're the host of the whole event, and the host of an event should be present at everything. So that is so important that you do that because they're able to fill in. The sixth reason, the fifth reason that you want to hire a professional MC is that it's going to give the whole event a professional feeling. It's going to rise it up to the level that we have invested in this event. We didn't just pull Bonnie out of sales and throw her up on stage to be the master of ceremonies. We invested in this person. Now, here's the deal. A master of ceremonies does not cost the same as three days worth of keynotes. The investment is pretty small, especially if you're hiring celebrity or pseudo-celebrity speakers. If your keynoters are making $15,000, $30,000, you can hire an MC for the cost of one or even less than one of your speakers, and they're going to be there every day doing everything. If your association or company wants to have a professional event, you should make sure that you're having that professional event. And the last reason that a company or an association should hire, the number six reason, is it takes the pressure off you, the planner, and off of your committee and everybody else else to have to worry about what the MC is going to do and where they are. Because here's the deal. If you just pull somebody from your company or your association, they have other responsibilities during the conference. Lots of times I see sales managers or marketing managers as the master of ceremonies at a client event. Well, that's wonderful until during the break they're talking to one of the clients and they have a problem and they really need them. That means they either have to not get back there to kick off the next session or they have to look at that client who is complaining and needing their attention and say, I'm sorry, I have to walk away now because I have to go be the host. Having a professional MC takes the pressure off. I recently emceed an event that had never had a master of ceremonies. They had always used their board chair to sort of be that key person. This year, through a series of reasons, they decided that I was the right choice. The meeting professional told me afterwards, I took so much pressure off of their team because they knew I was there, I was ready, I knew what was going on, and I had it covered. It takes the pressure off. It makes your event more professional. The MC is able to fill in if there's any gaps or you have to do an emergency panel because a speaker couldn't make it. They can handle any issues that are going on, and they can take those arrows if the audience doesn't like what they have to hear. They can keep the event running on time, which is so important. And finally, they set the tone and keep the flow going. That's why you want to go with a professional master of ceremonies. Now, before I close out this episode, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. And I got to tell you, when it comes to a vendor, if you're doing a podcast, why wouldn't you hire a professional company to do your editing? I did. I hired Podfly Productions. And much like I think an event should hire a master of ceremonies, I think a podcast should have a production company who takes care of the heavy lifting and makes sure that all the technical work is done so that the host of that podcast can sit in their car and record it and send it to them. They make it sound great. It's not 
anything I have to worry about. Once I sign off, Podfly is going to make this sound great. They're going to get it loaded. It's going to be on iTunes, and you're going to be able to listen to it. They're one of the best vendors I have ever worked with. And if you want to start a podcast, or you already have one, jump over to podfly.net and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So many people I know use Podfly, and every time I talk to them, they say, thank you, thank you, thank you. We were glad we hired them. Isn't that what you want for your podcast? Hey, I know we talked about meetings and about Masters of Ceremonies, but much like I talked about my sponsor, Podfly, using a professional is so important. Now, I don't know what you do. I don't know, you know, when you're listening, what your business is, but you're a professional. Your clients should be hiring you. Go back and think about what we talked about, about why someone should hire a professional master of ceremonies and come up with a list of why people in your industry should hire a professional blank, whatever it is that you do that is so great. When somebody says, what do you do? Tell them, but then also let people know why they should hire you. I could do a whole show on why you should hire a professional speaker, We obviously just did one on a master of ceremonies, why you should hire an executive coach, and also, you know, why you should hire consultants if you're dealing with problems that are just something that you can't deal with. There's a reason we hire professionals, because it makes everything better. So think about that for your own business. Are you a professional? Do you know the reasons why people should be hiring you? Hey, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You know what? If you belong to an association or your company hosts meetings, I would love it if you would find out who handles that meeting and if you would tell them, hey, I know someone who should be on your shortlist. He's a professional speaker and a professional master of ceremonies. I think he would be worth having a conversation with. I would appreciate if you would do that for me. Hey, the podcast is free. I don't ask for a lot. The only other thing I ask for is that you jump over to iTunes. If you like this show, leave a review on iTunes. Five stars. Tell us why you listen to cool things entrepreneurs do. And then tell your friends. I'll tell you what, this show has been a great tool for me. It's led to a lot of business for me. It's been a lot of fun for me. And I have met so many people. This podcast has been one of the greatest networking tools I have ever run into. I have made more friends, made better connections through the use of this podcast, both through people I interview, but also through people like you who listen, who reach out to me and ask questions. If you send me an email, I promise I'll answer it. If you want to, you could even call me. My number's on my website. I'll talk to you. Now, I may not be able to take your call right when you call, but if you give me a call, I'll talk to you. Why not? I love helping people and I love connecting with people and I am so grateful that I started Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do almost three years ago. 278 episodes later, here we are. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. But in the meantime, I want to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day, but also make a step forward in finding what is it that gets you excited for your career. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.